welcome to the Netflix Camp Podcast. This is a podcast where four psychotherapists, three of us Canadian, one of us Americans, review cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. And I'm Joanna Boyd, also a registered clinical counselor, and I live in Port Moody. I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from the greater Vancouver area. Welcome, everybody. Hope we're all having a good evening. Yes. Or morning or afternoon. We don't know when you're listening. We don't know. We know when we're recording. We don't know when anyone else is listening. Around the world, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Around the world. It's pretty amazing to, to look at our map. We don't see specifics of anybody, but we can see where people are who listen and all across the States and Canada, but wow, all around Europe and sometimes South America and Africa and Asia. Tajikistan? Where? Tajikistan. Tajikistan has been, we've been big over there. Drop us a line if you've been listening from Tajikistan. I think for a while we're like top top four <laughs> podcast in uh, mental mental health related podcasts in Tajikistan. We're a big deal over there. Yeah. We love, we welcome anyone to listen, but I think our whole thing is we just like talking to each other. It's true. You do. True. Had we ever mentioned that in a previous podcast, just how that happened? So like listeners might know that we've known each other a long time. The snapshot is we all met, uh, or Chris and I met Ryan at a conference in Washington, D.C. many, many, many moons ago, probably 12 years ago or so now. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and then Joanna met him thereafter. And then we started this boot camp. And part of the boot camp, we would just do a Zoom call together on Thursdays. And then Ryan said, hey, guys, why don't we actually record these? as podcasts and that's how the podcast started because we were just hanging out socially on thursdays virtually before it was a thing it's true we were doing this for years before it was a thing that's that was fun and yeah so we this is a little different than those meetings because then we were talking about the the boot camp the the website mentalhealthbootcamp.com which is our uh our little actual boot camp, 25 days of exercises, which is still up and running. Uh, but then we decided, hey, let's talk about some of these topics that we're, we discuss in the boot camp and some other things that uh, might be helpful for people. Yeah. And that's where we are today. There we go. Here, here we are like 71 sessions into this, 71 episodes of this podcast. That's a lot. A lot of episodes. It is. It's pretty wild. It is. A lot of content out there. Yeah. A lot of us bantering about Canadian American differences and <laughs> yeah. We minutia. get up here from some of our friends and family that listen, uh, that they love the Canadian American differences. Oh. It's quite funny. It's quite entertaining. They get a good kick out of it. Just- or at least uh, our Aunt Roz does. She really yeah. enjoys that. Yeah. She used to work for tourism uh, whistler so yeah she enjoys the the canadian american banter 
or differences, I guess. Well, I love it because I'm I'm actually really fascinated by the differences and fascinated by Canadian culture, which is really a lot of our culture. But you have these unique twists that uh, that are really cool and show up in the oddest places. Sometimes you'll say a word and I'm like, what is that? And you say, oh, that's what this is. Like yeah. like the what was the, the box of uh, costumes? Tickle trunk. The tickle trunk. <laughs> I don't know what a tickle trunk is. It's crazy. It's great. I love it. Uh, we had a a holiday earlier this week. You did. We did. It, it was have? Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, an official holiday being like banks are closed and no no mail delivery and schools closed that sort of thing so just a day to remember martin luther king jr and uh the impact he he had on the world and on civil rights and uh really a nice a nice holiday and it's it's one that was formed within my lifetime just a few years ago uh here it was something that was recognized but then made an official holiday just a few years back that's cool so is there something um with it being new i don't know if something's developed but just something that you would do on that day is there like uh ceremonies or uh educational displays or like a call to action or call to action or uh i don't know some sort of art installation just something that you could do and honor and learn and reflect there are certain certainly things that people do but i would say there's nothing like a unified uh it's not like the 4th of July where everyone watches fireworks or something like that. It's more like people write articles about Dr. King and what his legacy was. People share artwork. Um, uh, certainly it's taught about a lot of schools of his, his legacy. So there's a lot of that, but, uh, but no, it'd be nice if there was something that was more kind of uh, a uniform sort of a celebration of his life or something, but we're not there yet. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll naturally evolve. Maybe. Right. Yeah. 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 Last year we had that the first Truth and Reconciliation Day. It's not a, a true stat holiday yet, but um, similarly, we'll see how that rolls out to see what turns into kind of the structure of honoring that day and what it's meant to be for. Right. So Truth and Reconciliation regarding Indigenous. Oh, relationships with Indigenous people. Yeah. By the way, I meant to mention to you guys, I watched on, I think it was Netflix, uh, a few weeks ago, a movie called The Grizzlies, like, which mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a, a, a movie about, that's based on true events that happened in none of it, oh. um, with a, a teacher who was going there on like a, um, you know, if I teach here for a few years, you'll uh, forgive my student loans sort of a program. Uh, who went there and taught the students how to play lacrosse? Oh, cool! Oh. And it's a very troubled community. A lot of uh, a lot of suicide, a lot of substance abuse. Just a lot of youth there didn't really feel like they had much going for them. And uh, and he came and kind of taught them the sport. And through that, they had some teamwork and bonding, and were able to take a trip to uh, Toronto to play in like a national uh, tournament. So. Really uplifting. If you, like, if, you, if you like sports movies, 
if you like Canada, <laughs> if you like learning a lot about uh, Indigenous people, said I read up on it afterwards, and they they really worked with the the communities up there, and uh, you know really wanted to share some of the stories of of you know some true stories that that were occurring up there and the challenges and hardships that they face. And, and even when they were premiering the movie, they premiered the movie up there in none of it first and had kind of wanted to make sure it was it was factual and, and capturing the experiences of the people up there. And uh, really uplifting movie. I highly recommend. That's great. I, so I've watched it and you haven't? <laughs> yeah. No, never heard of it. Yeah. That was also like, wasn't that the Vancouver basketball team name? The Grizzlies. Yeah. 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 We had a basketball team at one point. A professional basketball team called the Grizzlies. I remember that. Still down in Memphis, I think, right? Yeah, yes. They're in town. I can't remember how many years they're here for, five or six years, maybe. But mm. yeah. That sounds great, Ryan. Have to check it out. Yes, the Grizzlies, 2018. Great film. <laughs> and also very sad. I mean, it does sound like they're has been or you know it's been a very difficult road for a lot of the indigenous folks especially in this kind of cut off isolated places big time yeah 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 a lot of suffering a lot of those communities absolutely Mm -hmm. a pretty cool initiative though going up there and teaching lacrosse and yeah 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 it's it's worth worth your time i enjoyed it well what else is worth your time an ambush is worth your time. Ambush? Yes. An ambush. One of us knows the topic. The other three do not. Tonight, Chris has the honors of delivering the ambush. Uh, okay. Here we go. I'm going to send it down to you right now. Um, there we go. Okay. Coming across the border. Here we go. All right, ready. 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 Here's my topic. <laughs> this is your topic. <laughs> Let's talk about self-esteem. Yeah. How does self-esteem impact mental health? What factors influence our self-esteem? What can I do to improve my level of self-esteem? Perfect topic for this podcast. Hooray. Hooray. Awesome. Let's talk about self-esteem. So, I, mean, I, I was hoping it was going to be about Encanto or something like that. <laughs> I could go for He's talking so about a movie right. about healing. Let's do it. Ryan, have you seen Encanto? Just, uh, I, I know we're not supposed to be bantering right now. but no. I haven't. I haven't. Okay. I was too busy well, watching we'll, Grizzlies. We'll sideline that one. But You should, you should watch it. It's very good. Anyway. I'm kind of curious, Joe, as you try to hijack my topic. Um, can you give people a quick cross section of Encanto or what the, like, what would you want to share about Encanto? Oh, well, I don't want to give too much away, but it's just, um, yeah, about a family and this family who has all these gifts, except for one girl. And they, there's, you just, as the movie goes, you start learning more about how they're really feeling. And there's a lot of kind of pressures felt family secrets and some, some trauma that, you know, is kind of being carried through different generations. So a lot of conversations, not a lot of action. And I think it's really a really cool movie. I think it's cool. And a lot of great music. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like the music, like musicals, because they sing pretty much everything. So there it is. Yeah. 
Anyway, self-esteem, Chris, go for it. I feel that uh, self-esteem pops up a lot in counseling sessions, as well as other terms like self-worth and self-confidence. Um, Anything starting with self, right? Yeah. Self-blank. Self-love, self-something. Mm-hmm. Very true. So it might uh, make sense for us to kind of define our terms, but um, yeah, regardless of the presenting issues, sometimes self-esteem is part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the three of you have also noticed that in your sessions, that that term is comes up quite often. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. So let's define it. Sure. Does anyone have a, any ideas of how to define that? I'll just go with a, a basic of, you know, esteem is, is really how you regard something. Uh, you know, you can hold something in high esteem or low esteem. So esteem is just how something is regarded and self-esteem is self, you know, how you are regarding yourself. What's your own view of your self? And uh, people often equate that to high and low, mm-hmm. high, high self-esteem being i I think I, I like myself. I think I'm a pretty good person or I achieve well or whatever the, your criteria might be and low just being the opposite of that. I, yeah. That's a pretty rudimentary <laughs> fundamental, uh, but maybe it's, maybe it's used differently in different, different sessions or with different people. I think that's a pretty good snapshot because mm-hmm. then there's also, yeah, self-confidence. How would you differentiate self-confidence? I mean, they're certainly related, but the, the esteem again is, is the, the view, like who, who do I really think I am? Um, how do I regard myself? And confidence being self-confidence is how capable am I or how confident, how, how much uh, yeah, capability do I have in, in being able to weather Different kind of areas like of belief, life. The belief in the self versus the view of the self. Yeah, that yeah. may be. Yeah, Maybe. there you go. You know, it's interesting is I, I kind of see self-esteem as, yeah, kind of what Ryan mentioned, um, how we can evaluate ourselves, the internal assessment of various qualities and traits. Um, so I think it can kind of vary at times. Um, I like that definition. Confidence is more capable abilities what you can do moving forward but that also varies too like i might not have a lot of self-confidence when it comes to playing certain sports but i do have self-confidence when it comes to other things right so i think there's a lot of subjectivity there but then we factor in self-worth because that's another really big topic and kind of see that as that regardless of kind of how you're doing or how you assess yourself you still feel that you're worthwhile i don't know if you kind of agree with that Yeah. Well, how do I, how much do, how much value do I have or do I bring to others or, but it's self-worth. So how much do I value myself in that way? Yeah. What do I bring? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that general sense that I'm, even if I'm having challenges here, I'm so worthwhile. I still have a certain baseline level of self-worth, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what impacts someone's self-esteem do you think what like what uh i mean you could say high and low but those are that's a pretty broad statement there what are the sorts of elements do you think 
comprise someone's self-esteem, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think too, uh, while we're talking about like contributing factors to it, um, I was thinking also about the development, like during different developmental stages, sometimes maybe those factors, sometimes they might change and sometimes they might not like something might influence you know, if you're in middle school, there might be certain influences on that that are stronger. Uh, those influences might still influence you as a 30 year old, but they might not be the prominent ones. Uh, yeah. So those might change with your developmental stage, I think. I think it's totally a factor. Absolutely. This age, your developmental phase of your life. You just think of those kids, teenagers who self-esteem and self-worth is like going up and down at times. Yeah. A lot of it's impacted by what's going on socially. So I guess your interconnectedness or your, um, the quality of relationships probably impacts self-esteem, I imagine. I would think so. Well, considering like if you're looking at um, Erickson's developmental stages themselves, like your development of self is actually happening kind of during those teenage, early adult good years. So um whether or not you like yourself, you don't really know yourself yet during that time. So I think that's why it fluctuates so much during the teen years, your self-esteem, um, because as you're trying on different roles and different behaviors and seeing how, if you interact with people a certain way, their response to that, how does that feel within you? Does that align with your morals and values? All of that's really, you're playing around with that a lot. And yeah. so I, I think it, can really be up and down during that time, right? Just because. Yeah, and I totally, and I think an added part for that is around that age, it becomes more peer focused, like kind mm. of how you spend your time and where you look for maybe validation or a sense of belonging is more focused on peers. And like, I feel like kids hit middle school, which would be for us five, six, seven, it, there seems to be a shift there. Like, cause it's, there's a lot of comparing themselves and trying to fit in and you know, and body wise, a lot of body image issues kind of come up then that affect self-esteem and all sorts of things, but it's just, yeah, very peer. What's yeah. Where do I fit in that identity piece? Yeah, yeah totally agree. External, external at those younger ages. Right. And even kind of a little bit into teenage land. Uh, and then I think as we get older, it becomes more internal, like who you are and are you being a good person? And how do you know that you are being a good person and um, yeah. And making those changes. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I totally agree though. We have this tendency to compare ourselves to others and that is so prominent in when in those younger years too, I think it does carry on as well as an adult, but yeah, the reactions of others, like Brooke mentioned how others respond to us, but that can be devastating for someone. If you get negative attention from your peers or classmates, often that self-esteem will go down quite drastically, right? I've got a few things to say. <laughs> First off, for, for Aunt Roz's sake, did, did you say that middle school is five grades five, six, and seven? Sorry, I meant six, seven, eight. Oh, okay. Whew. Boy, that that. would have been a big one. Because then I, my next question was, well, what is high school then? Because if it was yeah. like, Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, that I would have blown my mind. So, oh, but that is depending on your catchment. So, uh, when I went to school, what was, does the word catchment mean? <laughs> <laughs> it means like the area you live. So, kids who live in a certain neighborhood area, 
their catchment will they'd be going to this school over here whereas someone across town they go okay. to that school based on yeah, where they so live. it's like the the school boundaries three yeah. yeah like what school you go to is your catchment we might call it a school district or a Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So then for uh, where I grew up in one city over, um, my elementary school was kindergarten to grade eight and then, or sorry, kindergarten to grade seven. And then high school was grade eight to grade 12. So I only went to two schools. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah no me too. No middle school, no junior high. No, yeah, no. But, uh, yeah, Chris and I went to private schools, but if we did go to public schools in our district, it would have been the elementary school is a grade uh, five and then the six, seven, eight, and then high school is nine to 12. So wow, differs. Yeah. Blows my mind. So do you have the same distinctions we have here in, in high school, which would be freshman, sophomore, junior, senior? No, no, we don't really use those. No, mm-hmm. there's seniors, you know, I think would be considered, but we don't, we don't use those like sophomore, all that. Nope. That's a very American thing. Wow. And I always get so confused with your proms down there. I'm like, who goes to these proms in these movies? I feel like everyone goes to every single one, no matter what age they're at. So we don't have stuff. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. So up here, you just have like, when you finish grade 12. Okay. And then what about college? If there's four years of college, is, does that give the, the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior thing? Sometimes. So I think often yeah. you're, you just say what you're you're in. Are you in first year, second year, third year, fourth year? Yeah. Um, if you're a freshman, maybe freshman might be used a little more than the rest, but yeah, it doesn't, yeah, not, not common. Yeah. Wow. We don't have like junior colleges or anything like that. I don't, I don't know. I just watched the show Cheer and they have like a junior college. I'm like, what does that mean? The JC, yeah. We have more, we have community colleges, I guess, but mm. yeah. They're, those are kind of synonymous here. The, the first two years of college, if people want to, choose to do that they're usually state funded and a little a little more affordable for people if they want to do that yeah wow i'm blown away <laughs> yeah. and none of our colleges are like state funded like there's no funding to our college well they bring down the, the cost of it like there yeah, are yeah. Pu- public so universities yeah is, yeah it's a little bit cheaper than a university but they're I don't yeah they're, i think they're highly subsidized Yes. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Our community so, like, wanted, yeah. Go ahead, Ren. I was going to say our community colleges, I mean, people still pay, but it's usually just a fraction of what they would pay at either a, a university, uh, a four-year university, or definitely a private school. Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, that's, that's really wild. Yeah. Well, there you go, Aunt Roz. Well, let's get back to uh, the topic. <laughs> Topic of Encanto. We're, keep, we're, 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 we're hijacking our ambush with Encanto and uh, discussions of freshman, sophomore, junior year. All right. Um, so back to the self-esteem thing, just to, just to dig a little deeper into that, as you guys are talking about the, the teen years, which are really crucial developmental years, of course, and talking about the impact of other people's um opinions of you on your own self-esteem and your own self-identity a lot of times. Um, this is when, of course, bullying can be really detrimental for someone to have lifelong scars from that. Uh, I would also, I would go back though, even further to, to earlier times in life when uh, one could say that the, that the even earlier days are times when someone can build sort of a, uh, a bit of resilience or a buffer mm-hmm. to some of that. 
Um, and and you know, you think of the the kids maybe depicted in, in movies and stuff like that who who receive a lot of that bullying, but are just like forget you. I know who I am. I you know I'm not going to take any of that in because I'm this person. Something like that. Um, you know, they're artistic depictions. That's that's kind of a rarity. But you might say, well, gosh, maybe they had something really uh, you know a, a real sense of self esteem, sense of self worth, um, and like a, a buffering resilience. Um, earlier on that helped them to, to say, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you. You're still a good person. You're still quality, you know, all that sort of thing. So just to, I'm just saying here that this is a, a lifelong process oh, totally. and that it's um, uh, that the things that are happening with kids and feeling mm-hmm. uh, attached and connected and loved and valued, safe, uh, secure, safe, secure, all those things mm-hmm. from, from the time they're, you know, before they're conscious, even uh, through their teenage years, all makes a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think those primary relationships are obviously the most important relationships, right? There's, yeah, you're going to be a lot. That's your first interaction relationally of who am I and who am I in relation to another? So if that messaging is uh, um, that you're good and valued and loved, and that's going to carry with you versus if you're bratty, bad, or annoying, or not allowed to have feelings. Yeah. Yeah. A nuisance, whatever, then that's going to eventually kind of internalize too. So big time. Um, I, talking yeah. about children, is it okay if I jump in, Chris? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just while I'm on that brainwave, talking about younger years and things too. I think it's important for self-esteem development to be able to try different things and potentially like have that, have that respond back. Like, so if you tried to make pancakes when you were young, the pancakes probably didn't turn out perfect, but to have that experience of trying something and receiving positive feedback and then continuing to try like, um, so it's not just relation to people, but I think relation to environments and activities and experiences help with self-esteem and self-confidence. Big time. Yeah, for sure. I, I find, help, uh, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. I was going to say, I find there's an interesting relationship between self-esteem and achievement because uh, I've, I've known some, some folks, some, some clients I've had through the years, some friends I've had through the years who've been highly successful and, and had very few failures in their life, but are very afraid, therefore, of the failures. Like they're, you know, that, that can kind of breed a perfectionism, right? I've never failed, so I don't really know what failure is like. And so I have to kind of keep it going. I have to keep, be at the top of the class, get the best grade, whatever that might be, because it, you know, as we dig a little deeper, it's like, well, I don't know what will happen to me if I fail. You know, I've always succeeded. So what happens if I actually fail? And uh, I think resilience actually comes from having some experiences of adversity or failure in your life and being able to bounce back and say, just because I failed at something doesn't mean I am a failure or I am not worthy. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I those lessons young and throughout your life. Right. And that's exactly. going to come from challenging yourself to do things that maybe are new or uncomfortable or, or I, safe. But absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah. Whether, whether you succeed or fail, I can do this and I can be okay. Regardless of the outcome, I'll be all right. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay to try. I feel mm-hmm. good. To- I, I, I've listened, I was listening to some other podcast or something at some point <laughs> somewhere. I heard this, um, someone talking about, they were talking to like a CEO of a big company. I may have shared this with you guys before, but a CEO of a big company and someone was asking him, well, what kind of people do you like to hire out of college? And this person said, well, I like to actually hire, uh, I like to hire college athletes for my, my, my new hires out of school. And then someone's like, oh, interesting. So, oh, you like to, you like to hire athletes because you like to hire people who know how to win. And he said, no, no, no. I like to hire people who know how to lose and then bounce back. So he actually likes the, the resilience that comes from these athletes who have experienced failure, but then been able to kind of dust themselves off and get back in the game, you know? And I liked that idea. It's like, ah, yeah, there's something to be said for, for the adversity that we experienced earlier on and then are able to overcome and, and get back, back on track, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, because we haven't talked a whole lot about, well, achievement is the main driver of self-esteem because that's it's more complicated than that. I think you touched on that, right? Yeah. I've, you know, I work with clients all the time who, you know, they, they, the bar is so high and they feel that their value is tied to their sense of achievement and accomplishment and their self-esteem or self-worth is often super low, especially when they get that low, low, lower mark back. Right. So even if it's like 93% and this has just happened a little while ago, client got 93, 94%. That was a failure for him because he felt he could have got 99 or hundred percent. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of layers to that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would, you could certainly have a, a person sitting in front of you who has gotten, you know, C's. I assume you guys do the ABC scale. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. What is ABC? Yes. <laughs> middle school, not in middle school. They don't. I think now they do like something else. Okay. Well, we won't get sidetracked again, but, but the whole, uh, you know, someone who's like an average performer, for example, not the top of the class, not the bottom of the class, but they can still have very high self-esteem because it doesn't necessarily all have to equate with, with, um, achievement. And in fact, some of the, some of the highest achievers or near highest achievers often have really hard time with self-esteem because they're really worried about what if I lose my place or what if I'm not on top? Yeah, we're not lovable, right? Yeah. I do wonder if maybe some of that develops with language around uh, encouragement and praise from that early age. Uh, so if the encouragement and praise is, uh, you, wow, you got a, an A, you got perfect on your test, good for you, or, oh, wow, you, you made this perfectly, or I you know, whatever that is versus saying, um, wow, you were really nice to Susie today. That that was very kind of you. So picking out attributes about a person is going to be different than just giving praise about the accomplishment itself, right? This probably starts quite young. Absolutely. Sure. And, and I think what's, what's being encouraged now with school kids here, at least is, is to be, um, praising the effort as opposed to the outcome, right? Yeah. You were, you worked really hard. You tried really hard on this. Um, and you know, there's, there's a lot of criticism about the 
everyone gets a trophy sort of mentality. Like even if you just showed up, you get a trophy. Um, I don't know. The data is kind of out on that. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess, because uh, kids today, uh, everyone does get a trophy one way or another. Um, and we'll see if that is a, a detriment or, or, or a service to their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I think effort still entails hard work, right? And that that's, that should be rewarded. Because I think mm-hmm. we're, I think the everyone gets a trophy mentality is wrong when everyone gets a trophy, regardless of your amount of effort, ah. dedication to it, right? Because especially with young boys, some have really liked the sense of competition and they realize that there's no winner, then they they disconnect and they say, you know what, well, listen, I'm not even going to engage in it if everyone kind of wins, right? So I think it's, yeah, there's been a bit of pushback there in terms of what are we trying, what are we instilling in the kids by having that approach, right? How would you ever determine top athletes if we create a generation where everyone just is part of teams that just everyone, you know, gets participation ribbons? Like, how do you, you know? It's kind of going back to what Ryan was saying too, is adversity is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's okay if you you don't succeed in something. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good to, it builds resiliency, it builds character. And hopefully there's some support in place there for these kids to navigate through that whole situation right well yeah i mean the yeah the criticism that i would have with the everyone gets a trophy thing is that uh that's maybe that can work for for a period of time in life but after a while that it just doesn't like you not everyone gets into harvard not everyone gets uh their dream job you know there there will be adversity through your lifetime and um that is you know from the time you're young, that is the time to learn. How do you cope with that? How do you deal with the fact that, oh, I really wanted this and I didn't get it, or I didn't, I wasn't able to make it to, to my dream. So how do I cope with that? Yeah. It's kind of like uh, the mentality was, well, we want everyone to feel like a winner, but they, but I think it caused a lot of issues because there's a lack of drive and, and as well as adversity. And then it really hit them when that time came where they had a, you know, a lot of anxiety would show up or they're having a hard time managing, you know, feeling let down by something. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I'm here in, in Pasadena. There's a, uh, a well-known college called California Institute of Technology, Caltech, which has some of the brightest young minds in, in the country or the world, uh, really working on science and engineering, aerospace, that sort of thing. And I know some people who work there and uh, it's it's interesting because a lot of times the kids who come to the school there have been the brightest and the best in everything they've ever done. They're just, you know, they're near genius level, oftentimes these students who come and they, they're joining now together with people from around the world who are just as intelligent and they're finding themselves in the middle of the class or in the lower end of the class. You know, that's, they're still maybe in the top, you know, 0.01 percentile of the world, you know, in their, in their intelligence levels or their, their capabilities, but suddenly they have to confront this, wow, I'm not the smartest person in, in the school anymore. And that can, can really rock someone's self-esteem, right? Mm-hmm. Can really hit them like wow and it's an identity crisis then too well what do I, who am i if i'm not the best and the brightest and that can cause some kind of a crisis for people mm-hmm. for sure i may be taking a soft topic 
But we were talking about where does self-esteem come from? And so we're kind of hitting a lot of these developmental issues, which I think is, is very, very key. Um, I would say that we're all talking about how relationships impact that uh, as a major factor contributor to, uh, to self-esteem, kind of how pe- other people regard us can kind of tell us how to regard ourselves in some ways. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's what we're saying, especially I, in the earlier years before you you learn how to do that on your to yourself later on. Yeah, I, I heard someone recently talking about this the the, the statement you can't um, you can't be loved by others until you learn to love yourself, right? Some, something along those lines. That's kind of a phrase that that's kind of tossed around like when people are looking for a relationship well you got to love yourself before you can be loved by others and and i and talking about there's kind of a flaw to that like how how do we love ourselves we have to know that we're lovable in some ways and that comes from from relationships yeah from the other it comes from the other uh and oftentimes we're talking about earlier attachment relationships like in order to know okay i am i'm worthy of love because my parents love me or my friends love me um that's kind of helps us helps us know that we're lovable and we internalize that and then maybe can help uh, us accept the love from other people too mm-hmm. sure. it gets tricky it gets tricky in the some years for especially kids or the teenage years when kids are bullied or they're treated poorly because then they're like well other people are saying this about me it must be true because they seek that validation or you know yeah. So then it's so hard sometimes working with clients when they just are like, well, this is how, what other people are saying, right. It's just trying to find that anyways. It's hard. True. Yeah. Because part of their identity, right. But mm-hmm. yeah, I agree, Ryan. It's complicated. I think Joanne and I's dad would say that in learning to love others, you learn to love yourself on the, on the flip side of that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interestingly though, loving yourself before you love others, like, is it possible to have too much self-esteem? Like, does that become problematic? Uh, yes, because, uh, well, I would say it's, it's problematic if you have a distorted uh, sense of esteem uh, or a distortedly high level of esteem. Yeah, well, everything's on a continuum, right? If you have really low or really high, there might be some flags there. And both where, distorted. Yeah, because that's where narcissism comes in, right? Yeah. 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 Well, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> like an inflated sense of self and importance of self. Well, I mean, one one way that people look at narcissism is is to say that they that a narcissist actually feels had a narcissistic injury, which, which is like this, this injury to their self-esteem earlier on that made them feel like, say it again. So so self-esteem is actually low and they're overcompensating. Correct. Right. Right. So the, so deep down a narcissist might feel like, Oh, I'm a nothing, but I can't, I can't tolerate that feeling of being a nothing. So I'm going to construct a, a personality, construct a world around me that that reflects my goodness, right? I'm going to have everyone giving me compliments and telling me I'm the greatest and I'm I'm wonderful, and all of that is a 
it's a compensation or overcompensation for actually feeling deep, deep down, maybe even so deep that they're not even aware of it anymore, that I'm really uh, unlovable and, and a nothing. So that behavior, yeah, the narcissism becomes like a, a protective factor for them. Like mm-hmm. I can be, if I'm the best and overly confident and all the rest of it, then you won't see this injury. You won't see that I'm unworthy and broken and hurt and unlovable and flawed and because it's yeah it's uh, self-protection so with that i would say yes if if we're talking about a distorted high sense of self-esteem that's kind of on this narcissistic level i think that is is destructive because it's not based in reality but i think if someone authentically knows themselves and knows their strengths and knows their flaws knows the deficits that they have and and their areas of growth and all that stuff, but really, really likes themselves. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm good with this and I'm, and I'm continuing to grow that level of high self-esteem. I, I think that's fine. I think that's great. <laughs> that's just where we should be, you know? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Did you have anything in mind, Chris, as to possible? No, no. I was just um, thinking that again, just the sense of being, narcissistic or just overinflated sense of self and how that can <clears throat> maybe you're not as focused on the well-being of other people around you but really good points there about how that's often an indicator of low self-esteem so yeah it's as good, joe good was saying as joe was talking it was, it's complicated it's a very complex issue you know like we, we certainly want people to take in messages but we also don't want them to take in too much of the negative messages right yeah consider the source yeah yeah do we we want to talk about signs of low self-esteem or would that or more so just how you can bolster your self-esteem let's talk signs if you got some i don't know when i when i work with clients i think uh, some signs might be um just not trusting their own judgment or they might they might be people pleasers like let people really kind of um walk all over them a little bit kind of have a hard time upholding boundaries with other people. So those mm-hmm. are some that come to mind. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. I think of, of some folks who are really um, desiring that external validation and, mm-hmm. and yet it never really seems to be enough. Or um, sometimes I'll, I'll talk with, with clients about like having a bucket with a hole in it, like, you know, they, they get a lot of affirmation. They're kind of pulling for praise and affirmation from people like, hey, I'm okay, right? I'm, you know, you, you're, I'm still your friend and hey, you love me, don't you? That sort of thing. And they get that kind of filled up, but there's like a hole in the bucket that kind of drifts out overnight and then they have to get more the next day. Hey, I'm okay. Am I okay? Are we all right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's so it's not really so much a self-esteem at that point. Like the, the esteem is not about the self. It's if it's so much based on what other people think of me. Right. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, I think there's so many different signs. You know, I think sometimes the presence of extremely negative critical thoughts. I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I can, can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. I think uh, setting that bar too high sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um being overly sensitive to the opinions of others, um, avoidance, maybe just if you have a lower self-esteem, you're less likely to take risks or try new things, perhaps. 
sometimes, uh, sometimes not always, but being indecisive, never being able to pick a thing. Yeah. Well, because what there's might be afraid of, yeah, what would make the wrong. Yeah, it ties into the judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is this what they really want to do or like other that other centered, but not in a I'm helping the other way. It's yeah. Maybe some feelings of insecurity. Mm -hmm. Feelings of insecurity. And that could be in your abilities of feeling insecure and yeah, how you're performing or in a relationship, right? Having to, yeah, constantly seeking that validation. I think That's all I can think of. Going back to uh, Mental Health Boot Camp podcast number one, self-care. I think someone with low self-esteem doesn't really feel like they can do much self-care, like they don't really deserve it or it's not you know, prioritizing time for yourself is not a very high priority because, well, if I'm not, uh, I'm maybe I'm not worth it. Right. Like there's a, the, go back, going back to the, the worthiness place. Like, am I, am I worth taking this afternoon off to go get a massage? You know, if you have low self-esteem, you're not going to say that because ah, I'm not, I don't deserve it. I'm not worth it. Sure. Yeah, on the extreme end of things too, like the presence of abuse can devastate someone's self-esteem and self-worth and keep them in really toxic, dangerous situations within relationships or addiction. Make so, them believe they can't get out of those situations. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, certainly a lot of the yeah abuse and um, being in, in the kind of toxic relationships, uh, we've mentioned the times before when, when someone is, is, uh, is showing a mirror back to you, showing you that you're not very good or you're not worthwhile or you're not good enough that if you're close to that person, that's going to make an impact after a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So what can we do about this? What, what actually helps improve self-esteem, do you think? I think um, a number of different things. Um, maybe a good start would be just trying to assess or take an inventory of your self-esteem. Like it could be something as simple as trying to list 10 things are going well, like 10 strengths, 10 weaknesses kind of things. Um, so just... Uh, that awareness of where you're kind of at might be a good place to, to begin. Mm-hmm. Getting some practice, accepting compliments. Mm, good one. Yeah. Just say thank you. Just, yeah. To say thank you, not rejecting it. Mm-hmm. I think that one's extremely hard for people. Yeah. It really maybe, start is. Com- maybe start comparing yourself to other people. So just compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I, th- and I think it's to, cause I think we, we compare ourselves so easily and quickly. And so I think there, it's almost like if you're going to, it's just, then what? So I think it's just not going down the route of if you're comparing, not holding on to that or not um, just catching yourself and being like, Oh, caught myself there. What else? Like, I could just focus on myself now or I don't need to be doing this because 
think we all compare in some way. I think we evaluate people very quick or situations very quick. I think it's, it's a tough habit to break, I guess. So it's what you do with that, I guess, or how you let it impact you. Sure. Um, so be kind of piggybacking on what we talked about with your dad a little bit earlier, but I know that that research even backs this up, that one of the best most direct ways to improve your own self-esteem is to help others. Um, whether that's through charitable work or even just kindness throughout your day or a little bit of self-sacrifice um, really does make a significant difference in how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard it described as, as because it's kind of incompatible to see a good deed see you engaged in a good deed that's impacting another person positively. And at the same time, thinking that you're worthless, like mm. it's, it's hard to, hard to put those two schemas together. You know, this is a great thing and I'm a lousy person. Now there has to be some goodness in you if this good thing is kind of coming from you. So when you're giving to others and, and of course that's not the only reason to do good deeds, but it's certainly a nice byproduct. Mm-hmm. so oh, yeah. great one yeah yeah so service to others yeah challenging negative beliefs you have about yourself i think chris you started off there good with some strengths and weaknesses but i think just just trying to record some of your your thoughts that are going on in your head and trying to challenge them maybe having a different response trying to replace those negative thoughts with some positive or more realistic thinking Sure. I know we talked about this quite a bit, but maybe a bit of the deeper work as well, reflecting or journaling on maybe some of those earlier experiences or difficulties, challenges that you you had that may have impacted that level of self-esteem. So yeah. Jamie Pennebaker, um, the researcher on journaling, talks about just don't overcomplicate it, start off with whatever whatever's bothering you the most in that moment and kind of let it flow focus on the feelings if you're you kind of get stuck there um that would be very helpful to three to four days in a row you can do the compassion writing as well where it's the if this was a a friend telling me these things what would i say back and writing out that response so you're Mm -hmm. coming from sometimes it's easier to be compassionate and supportive towards somebody that's close to you, a friend or somebody than it is to be towards yourself, but you know, that language, you know, how to be supportive and compassionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And, and, you know, one that might be more, uh, better suited for a therapy relationship, but sometimes people like really identify, okay, when, when was, when were this kind of the seeds of this low self-esteem kind of planted, you know, maybe I was bullied in grade school. Maybe I was, uh, abused or, or neglected or any sort of thing in any time in your life. Think back to when it was that, that some of these sort of seeds were planted that you weren't good enough or weren't worth much. And, and what would you say to that kid? (laughs) You know, what would adult you say to that kid right now? And that can be a very healing little exercise to do. You know, what would you want to tell nine-year-old you who was, uh, you know, picked last on the playground or something like that? 
Because oftentimes people can can conjure up a lot more compassion for that kid uh, when you think of it that way. And those are oftentimes the very words you need to hear right now. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I up that even just a little bit more if in session and get the person to visualize that moment, whatever is happening, and visualize themselves as an adult now going into the situation, taking the little them, the child version of them by the hand, walking mm-hmm. away from the situation and telling them what they needed to hear. So go. they're not, yes. when they're recalling it, they're not recalling it from the eyes of being a child. They're actually going to remove that child and, and put them in a place of safety and then provide them that support and compassion. So it's, uh, it can be really hard to do that. Yeah. It sounds so simple, but there's big visceral reactions in doing that type of work, which is kind of how we know that we're in the right spot. (laughs) It's a great point. Right. Right. If it's, if it's challenging on an emotional level, not just a cognitive level, but an emotional level, then yeah, we're probably hitting something pretty deep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, EMDR, we've talked about EMDR over the course of this podcast, and I've been working with some clients recently and trying to target some of those early memories of bullying or um, abuse, for instance. And um, So there's lots of tools um, that therapists can use to help process and clear up some of those earlier moments. Um, it can be very overwhelming though. So it was bringing up a lot of emotion and maybe it's best to, again, back to the writing or just uh, connect with, connect with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even that's a, when you're in a, in a place of low self-esteem, really oftentimes just spending time with friends, uh, friends or loved ones, trusted people who really know you can be one of the best things. Oftentimes people want to withdraw and isolate during those times, but if you can push yourself to just be among those people who love you, you can, uh, and let them know, gosh, I'm really kind of struggling right now with how I'm feeling about myself. You might get exactly what, what you're needing at that point. That, the, the very meaningful kind of affirmation that you, you really need on the deep level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people, emotional support animals, I think they play a role mm-hmm. as I'm sitting here with one of my doggos. But uh, yeah, so I, I think a, a lot of people draw that boost from having a pet. They do. Yeah. There's just such crazy unconditional love and acceptance from the little, little guys. Yeah, it is. An ideal sort of relationship a lot of time because you're, you're serving them, you're feeding them, you're caring for them, you're petting them, you know, you're giving something to them, but boy, you receive a whole lot more back, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Pets are very special in that, that realm for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, have we covered our bases, Chris? Like we did. Well done. Yeah. 
kind of a kind of a perfect topic for this podcast. I'm surprised we haven't covered this before. It's good. Yeah, you really did it, Chris. Good job. Way to boost my self-esteem. Look at that, eh? <laughs> Look at that. Thank yes. you. Let me say thank you. Yeah. I'm downplay it, say no big deal. Anyone could have done it. It's kind of a Ryan topic. I kind of stole it. I'm just going to say thank you. It's not a Ryan topic. I got to say, this was much better than toxic masculinity, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't listen to that episode, whoever's listening right now. You should, just, you should just delete it. No, <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. A friend the other day or a friend, yeah, uh, Jesse's friend was like, oh, you have a podcast. He's like, oh, talk masculinity. I was like, please don't start there. <laughs> you have so many other episodes to start on. Please do not just don't go there. I was like, that's not a good one. It'd be one and done. That'd be it. Oh, boy. No. Chris, I only give you a hard time because I know you're resilient <laughs> enough to take it. I know you know that I love you and it's nothing uh, nothing personal, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All good. All right. All good. All good. Okay, well, we'll wrap up there. So that's it. And like and subscribe, Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram for a friend or two. Here's a positive high self-esteem for everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.